We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Breaking news on Food for Thought. I'm the breaking news reporter, Justin Carlucci, here with Carolina Panthers analyst Will Priester. Frank Reich didn't even last a full season. I have just the right guy aside of me to give us a little bit of perspective on what the hell is happening in Carolina. Will Priester, over to you. Man, I am good. Today's a great day for the Carolina Panthers organization. The problem is... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how quickly it's going to get better. We just still don't have draft capital. We still got to play pay Frank. Um, hopefully, we get a coach in here that's going to help bring our organization and offense into the next century. Um, we just got to be better. And look, I don't. We were just going in the wrong direction, like way too fast, right? Like if we were four and six, Frank doesn't get fired. Right. If we're five and five, he definitely doesn't get fired. Luch, we are one in ten when we just basically emptied the cupboard to go and get a number one draft pick, go and get a quarterback. Go, I mean, we just, you know, it, it was just, I mean, for all intents and purposes, going to hell in a handbasket pretty fast. I mean, you know, we were headed down there with gasoline, you know, underwear on, to say the least. It just was not good. And so I, I don't mind Frank getting fired. I don't have anything against Frank, but as I've as I've talked about, you know, offenses have to be in in today's time for today's quarterback. We were a boring team. We were a slow paced team. And guess what? You can be a slow paced team and still be exciting, but no shots down the field. Very pedestrian offense. You know, just we we we've got to get somebody in there. That's going to help us. I think first, the first priority is, you know, we're handcuffed to our quarterback now. Let's be an exciting team. And then let's help our quarterback get better along the way. Our defense actually hasn't been bad. Like a lot of the, a lot of the teams, you know, we held them to to pretty good point. Like yesterday, and I know we played the tight yesterday, but I mean, we only, we held them to 17 points. So it's not like, you know, we caught a beat down. Now the Cowboys was 33-10. Part of that was a pick six. Part of that was some turnovers. Like, you know what I'm saying? So you take away those six points there, you know, or seven points. You know, the Cowboys essentially only scored, you know, maybe 
26 real points on us. And and part of that was, was turnovers. You look at um, uh, the week before that, 13-16 to the Bears. The week before that, it was 27-13 to the Colts. But my point is, like, the defense, in a sense, has been okay. The offense, 13 points, 13 points, uh, 10 points. 10, we can't survive in the NFL scoring 10 points. It, it's terrible. So um, good luck to Frank. I don't have anything against Frank as a, as a person, but definitely needed to be gone. Frank, you know, as we talked about, you know, you were saying one and done. He didn't even make it a full season. Out of there. Um, just things just weren't going well. And uh, I don't know how they're going to handle the coaching situation for the rest of the year. But we, we've got to get somebody in there that's going to just bring energy to the organization. We don't have any energy, Luke. Ah, oh, it's so bad. But I'm still a fan. I'm committed to the process. I'm going to hang in there. And maybe in the year of our Lord, 2028, I, I'm not, I'm not, see, I'm not getting ahead of myself here, Luke. Maybe by 2028, uh, we can get back to, you know, some NFC South champions and possibly try to go on a run to the Super Bowl. But it's going to take a little time. Wasn't Frank Riggs supposed to be the quarterback guy, though? Wasn't he brought in to be the guy who helps craft these quarterbacks? Well, let's make him the quarterback's coach, not the head coach. Was that even – was Bryce Young even his guy? I mean, who knows? There's a lot of conflicting rumors about who the front office wanted, if they were even – all all in cohesiveness and taking Bryce Young number one overall. And it couldn't have gone any worse because you see his peers outplay him. And who's to blame? I don't know. Uh, you and I talk about giving a young quarterback a long leash. Does he have the best talent around him? No. Does he have no. the best coaching around him? No. Um, was he outplayed by Will Levis? A little bit, yeah. Is C.J. Stroud looking like the best quarterback in the class? Definitely as of right now. Did Anthony Richardson look better than Bryce Young when he was healthy? Probably. I mean, it's subjective. And listen, if but... Anthony Richardson plays a full season, is he better than Stroud? No, he's definitely probably in the conversation, though. Because he, but but once again, different style of play for him. He was going to be more athletic. He was going to be running the football. It, it, you know what I'm saying? It's like you kind of got two extremes, right, with the rookie class. So you got Stroud, who is looking like a prolific passer, actually. And then you had Anthony Richardson, who was like the athletic project. But then he comes in and doesn't look as much like a project as we think because of his athleticism, right? So he was going to push the ball down the field some. Like, think about it. Indy was going to be what? An exciting football team. And that's my problem with Carolina. There's no excitement, Lutz, about being a Carolina Panthers fan. There's just no excitement. When Cam Newton was there, we always had excitement, if nothing else. Did you and watch I'm not saying excitement. I saw I saw some of it. I, I I was listen. I just kept it on red zone because I, I just that I team. Understand. Man. I understand that team. Oh, huh. you know I I will say that Will Levis at least made some throws where I'm like this could be the guy. He made some throws where he stood in the pocket and he showed some finesse. Yeah. And you, thought, you put two actual so same situation uh, almost as Carolina. The Titans used their either the eighth or ninth starting offensive line combination of the season last week. You have multiple guys played out of position who are terrible at, at football. So I don't. Well, what is the Panthers' situation? I mean, Tennessee. You know, you look at them and they at least have a hundred million cap, which I think leads the NFL. Um, they're trending towards the top ten overall pick. So 
I feel at least like, you know, they got Mike Vrabel. There's some rumors about Mike Vrabel, but Diana Rossini, who used to be the AFC South reporter for ESPN, who uh, went over to the athletic, shot those down and said Mike Vrabel is going to be there, you know, to come. So, like, I'm not comparing apples to oranges, but I feel a little bit uh, more optimistic about the Tennessee Titans in that game because they have the leader, they have the cap space, and maybe just maybe they feel pretty good about the quarterback. So, Listen, uh, yeah, I would I wouldn't be advocating. So here's the thing, right? I do feel like there's certain coaches in the NFL that have earned the right to be given a leash. I do think Mike Vrabel is one of those coaches. Clearly, we know that Mike Tomlin is one of those coaches. How in the world he keeps getting teams to win football games with what he's got over there? I mean, listen, that's coaching, bro. You can say what you want about Tomlin and that's coaching. Like this team's seven and three lose, right? Seven and three or seven and four, one of the two, seven and four, maybe. E- either way, they just keep winning. Like, anyway, um, you know, I think I think um Shanahan has probably earned the right to have a bit of a leash, right? Um as 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 McDaniel keeps coaching the Dolphins, he's probably going to earn the right to have a bit of a leash if things keep going well. I am shocked the Browns still have Stefanski there, but I like it, right? Like, keep some stability. No, I think he's fine. They just had a rough season. Um, of course, you know they're not gonna gonna fire the chief. Uh, the Chiefs goes Andy Reid. He's not going anywhere. Um, so, but but I think those handful of coaches have earned the right to say, hey, man, like, give me some time. Now, let me say this. Since we're on coaches, I, I didn't expect us to talk about coaches, Luke. So great, great segue. I don't even know how we ended up here. This is this is one of the organic parts of the show. This is not an actual segment. This is organic. I do think Bill Belichick, his leash is coming to an end. I think he earned that right. And since the Tom Brady departure, he's had a leash. And the leash is now running out. No way do I think Bill Belichick is a Patriot is the Patriots coach next season. I think he's gone for what it's worth. I, and, and guess what? I think it's time, right? I think it's time. Send him somewhere else, you know, with some talent. Everybody's saying he needs to go and be the Chargers coach. Probably so. If nothing else, he'll have more talent and he'll have better game management than any coach they've had in years. If nothing else, he'll probably uh, uh, game manage them to a few wins, right? Looks like you got to think one of the greatest coaches of all time will just have game management skills to help them win some of these stupid games that they've lost with 30 seconds left. I, I don't think some of those, not all of them, but if you just gave them half of those back over the past, Luch, what you want to call it? Ten seasons, like they go from contender to possibly going to an AFC Championship game. Like that's how crazy this is with all the bad mismanagement that we've seen with coaching. Um, so yeah, another coach that's probably earned a little bit of a leash that we may not think about, but it's probably Sean McVay. McVay's earned the right to have a little bit of a leash. He's gotten maximum potential out of pretty much every Rams team he's had, like even this team. And I think I talked about that earlier this year where people said the Rams were dead. They weren't going to win any games. And then Luke, they just come out and Matt Stafford doesn't get hurt. Maybe they win a few more games. Like 
he's getting maximum potential out of every team he has. Like he's earned the right to have a leash. So, um, so yeah, um, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tailor it off there uh, because the other coach that's probably earned the right is one I want to talk about a little bit later. Well, the elephant, elephant in the room segment is is the coaching carousel. We are moving into week twelve already, which is crazy, by the way. And we've had a host of changes this week. We saw we're Jack- week thirteen, Luch. Week thirteen. Yeah, you're right. Week thirteen. I don't even know what day it is. Yeah, week thirteen. Okay, so week twelve, Jack Del Rio gets relieved of his duties after Dallas put the whooping on the Commanders. Another former longtime head coach, so Jack Del Rio's gone. Uh, and finally, you know, within the last you know ten days or so, Matt Canada, Steelers Twitter is insanely happy after Pittsburgh for the first time since either you or I have been alive. And probably if you combine our ages, I think, have the Pittsburgh Steelers made a coaching change in the middle of a season. So I have to give credit to them for make doing something they have never done and uh, basically and you know have it you know swallow in their pride over the Steelers. We don't you know we uh, we you know play close to the vest, we hold our chips, whatever. But they made the change. It was bad. Well Unfortunately, it wasn't much better against the Bengals. It was the same old, same old. You know, the jury will be out. How much of this was Matt Canada? How much of this is Kenny Pickett? Is Kenny Pickett the guy? Is Kenny Pickett limiting the offense? I mean, there are a lot of moving parts in these coaches getting canned, and we've talked about this from time to time. It's oftentimes tied to the quarterback, you know, that they kind of inherit and vice versa in the offense. We'll see what Bryce Young is. We'll see what Kenny Pickett is, right? I mean, Washington did Jack Del Rio no favors by gift wrapping his best defenders away at the trade deadline. You want to fire the guy? I mean, it just seems like some of this was a long time coming and they decided to rip the bandaid off with these guys and get a move on with their search. Um, and you, you see interviews before the postseason's even over now. It's kind of like a Black Friday starts on Thanksgiving. Like the shopping starts before the season's even over, right? So uh, whatever. It's just been a, a lot to take in and you know, if Frank Reich wants to continue football, I am certain there'd be if he's willing to you know, take a step down, as you and I say, some guys are elite coordinators. Maybe they don't cut it out as head coach. You know, Frank Reich with it was with Indy when they were kind of transitioning a little bit, too. Maybe they were just weren't good situations. I don't know. But I know Frank Reich would be an elite coordinator. Um, it might have been just too much kind of trying to hold the locker room together and taking on all of the additional responsibilities as a head coach. We talk, you know, if you're a listener of Hooper Thought, we talk about this you know, frequently. So a lot of coaching changes. You know who's next to be out is Brandon Staley. And I think it's warranted. And I don't know if that's the guy you wanted to talk about or not. It's it's not, but Luke, come on. Like, we can say what we want, but he hasn't, he hasn't gotten the job done. And, and I, I think the organization has been – Pretty fair, right? This is his fourth season, third or fourth. And what do they have to show for it, which is the question, right? They don't have anything to show for it. Nothing. Like, do do you get what I'm saying? Like, they don't have anything reasonable to show for it. So when we go back and I talk about these coaches like Sean McVay, who've earned a leash, even with bad teams, he's been able to win football games in, in some weird, sticky situations. He's got a Super Bowl under his belt with this team. Yeah, they went and got Matt Stafford. Okay, but does he have it? Yes, he has a Super Bowl. So what has he done? He's earned the right to be given 
some grace. When I look at Mike Tomlin and the Steelers, he's been a longtime coach. So he's got two Super Bowls, if I'm not mistaken, right, Luch, under his belt as the Steelers. Has, am I right? Is it two or three? I think it's two. And I think he's got one with the Buccaneers under their staff. If I'm not, I could be wrong. I think he's got one as a Buccaneers associate head coach or cornerbacks coach or something when I think uh, Dungy was there. I think that's what it was, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I, I could be wrong. But so I, I could absolutely be wrong with that. But he's definitely got Super Bowl wins with the Steelers. And then Luch, not only that, what he's been able to do with some of the teams he's had, when the talent's not there and the injuries aren't there, what has he done? He's been able to manage the locker room, get the pulse of the locker room, right, and continue to go out and win games. I don't think the Steelers fired Matt Canada because they wanted to. I think Mike Tomlin had the pulse of the locker room and said, okay, guys, like, look, I don't want to do this, but the players, this is not a good situation. We want to protect the integrity of our football team, our locker room. We're going to have to let Matt Canada go. And I think that's how it went. Could absolutely be wrong. But judging by Mike Tomlin, I know he cares about those players. The players care about him. He's He can coach football players. He can manage personalities. How in the world, Antonio Brown, one of the probably most idiotic players we've seen in the history of the NFL, was able to all, pretty much be a Hall of Famer just as a Pittsburgh Steeler until he got super radical at the end, and they just had to get him out of there. But think about that, Luke. Think about how much work it took to keep Antonio Brown under wraps. He needs to go in the Hall of Fame just for Antonio Brown not getting in trouble for practically most of his Steelers career. Uh, okay, I, I, I digress. But my point is, like, what has Brandon Staley done lately? Like, for as much as we could get on the Bills coach, uh, uh, McDermott, uh, because is it McDermott? Am I right? Yeah. Yes. McDermott, because of his failures this season, guess what he's earned the right to do? He's earned the right to be given a leash. Why? This team was not really winning football games until he got there. And so I look, do I think the window's closing in Buffalo? Yes. Do I think they've had a little bit of the Tennessee Titans bug on defense? Yes. So many injuries this season. So many weird things happening with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. But the bottom line is this. Show me the winning records before he got there. There weren't as many. He's gotten there. He's turned the organization around. He's made some AFC championship appearances. You get what I'm saying? Like, he has some results that say, hey, guys, just hang in there. We're going to be fine. We don't have any of them. Nothing of the sort is coming out of the Chargers camp. Nothing, loose. He has to go. There aren't any results that say we should keep Staley in the building, but they keep him in there. It makes no sense. And no they've, sense. Got a, they've got a young quarterback that's supposed to be a stud, right? I think we all agree that Justin Herbert is an elite quarterback in the NFL, but he's going to be Phillip Rivers. He's going to be one of these other guys like that just he's not going to get an opportunity to really excel if the coaching doesn't get better. And that's the problem in L.A. There's there's a big line between being aggressive and being stupid. And I don't know if Brandon Staley or Dan Campbell know which side of the line they're on most of the time. And I'm not <laughs> sure. Which, I'm not sure which game I want to start with. And I have a and I, I think Dan Campbell is twice the coach that Brandon Staley is, even though I'm not crazy about a lot that he does, which, you know, 
I feel for you, Chargers fans. They've been the one conference championship since Y2K, technically since 94 when they made the Super Bowl. And I, I don't want to call the Chargers soft, but it kind of just feels like they just don't close games, and they don't. But it dates back historically like two decades. I mean, the Chargers have been Hall of Famers, Hall of Fame teams. Like I think of those teams with uh, LT, Antonio Gates, uh, the late Vincent Jackson, Chris Chambers. They had Drew Brees. They had Phillip Rivers, Sean Merriman. Uh, on defense, Junior Seau. Like, yeah. Quentin Jammer, dare I go that far? That's the name drop. But, like, yeah. come on now. Like, get, got to, like, so the talent you is always. You understand my point. But come on. You understand my point. I'm hammering it home for you. Talent is always there. For, for whatever reason, this organization cannot get across the hump. And a lot of that, most recently, I think, has had to do with coaching. I, I, I really do. Um, but let me just say this: Staley's not there at the end of the year because I don't. I don't think this team is going to make the playoffs. I think they're done. He's he he can't be there at the end of the year, Luke. Like like sports to me, sports media is one of the reasons Brandon Staley's going to get fired. If nothing else, right? Sports media is going to be hammering this point home to say, "Hey, man, he's he's got to get out of here. He's got to get out of here." Like. He's got to go. Um, I don't know which game you want to start with because there's plenty of ways we could segue. Let's start with Bills-Eagles, even though that was a, a Monday night game, Sunday night game. Can we please start with Bills-Eagles? Go for it. Here, here's what I've been waiting to talk about, Luch, and this is what I've been waiting to talk about. So much respect to the Eagles. Um, This team is winning a whole lot of football games. And all of the wins aren't pretty, Luke. That all, all of the wins aren't pretty, but they're just finding ways, right? Finding ways to get it done. I mean, I mean, Luke, just finding ways, right? Like last night they had to kick a 58-yarder to get an overtime. And you know, they win with a walk-off touchdown basically by Jalen Hurts. But here's what I want to say, and, and I want your I want your opinion on this, because we've seen this before. But when we saw this, Luke, we didn't want to give this team any credit. But because it's Philly and, and Jalen Hurts, we're giving them all the credit. We're saying this is a good football team. Last season, I watched the Minnesota Vikings do the same thing almost every game. Go back and look at these Eagles games. Almost every game, it's close. Some some magic happens. They win the game. And we gave the Vikings no credit. We said this is a fluke. This is a, you know they were eleven and two, ten and three. We said this is a fluke. This team can't sustain this. Why, Luch? Their defense wasn't good enough. But they just kept finding ways. What I'm saying is this. Let's be fair. If we're not going to say the Vikings were a good football team, even though their record said so, then we can't do then come back around when the Eagles are doing the same thing this season and suddenly, oh, because they went to the Super Bowl last year, they're a good football team. Okay, now let's put it into some context. Jalen Hurts has been just manufacturing drives to win games in the second half feels like every week what what have we seen with the eagles they're going to give it up through the air 
Luch, I'm here to tell all Eagles fans quickly, this will not sustain throughout the playoffs. I I I can't in good conscience watch the Minnesota Vikings, the 2022 Minnesota literally. This isn't literally. They did the same thing. Kirk Cousins is throwing for 320 touchdowns, and the defense is terrible. And maybe they win by the end of the game, and maybe they don't. But we call that team a bad football team. Why do the Eagles suddenly get a pass? I can't agree with that from a media perspective, Luke. I mean, if you go back and just watch the media from last year, everybody will say, oh, this is a fluke. They're winning these close games. Well, guess what? This year they weren't, and they've had some injuries, and, you know, they might still get into the playoffs. But I, I can't in good conscience sit here and suddenly make the Eagles some juggernaut when most of the games they're winning now, last week, 37 to 34. Now, look. They played the they played the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a good football team. So see, that's where I think it gets a little tricky because they beat someone like the Chiefs, twenty-one to seventeen. Uh, we go back uh, the week before that, and let's see. I think they had the bye, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, twenty-eight, twenty-three. Cowboys. Cowboys are considered a good football team. I think maybe that's the difference. Eagles against the Commanders. We know the Commanders aren't a good football team, 38-31. to 31. Had to win it late yet again. You see my point here, Lutz, right? We are saying the Eagles are a good football team, but they're having to do these heroics late in most of these games. Rams versus the Eagles, 23-14. Lutz, you see my point here. Let's be fair. So I guess last year, Minnesota was a good football team. Because this is the same way they won football games. The exact same way. This year, the Eagles are doing it. But I think because of their history and this underlying affection for Jalen Hurts, which I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is a good quarterback. That's not what I'm saying. But there's this media affection for the Philadelphia Eagles that keeps suggesting that they're a really good football team. Yes, they beat some good football teams. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying, Luch, is this is not going to sustain through the playoffs. I am predicting right now, if they continue to win this way, we're going to see a repeat of the Vikings. It's going to be an early playoff exit, and everybody's going to be looking around like, how in the world did this happen? Well, you've been doing it all season, guys. It just finally caught up with you at the wrong time. Luke. Well, Vegas is old because next week's Philly-San Francisco game at Lincoln Financial Field, the 49ers are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Um. Listen, I, I, love, I, get, love, I love I love your late game heroes. You go ahead, please. I'm gonna shut up. Yeah, go, 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 go. And it just gets to a point where we're heading into week 13, which I now know. And every week, oh, we're getting the wins. We're not playing our best football. We're not playing our best football yet. We're not playing our best football. That's all you hear. Maybe this is their brand of football for 2023. And correct, like, it might be. And good teams find ways to win. They're a good team. Are they a juggernaut? No. I don't think there's a single juggernaut right now in the NFL. I think every team has some serious flaws. Uh, we'll talk, you know, we'll talk briefly about the Chiefs, but every team has a, a gaping hole. And yesterday, as much like, as much as the Eagles won that game, the Bills blew it. Right? Uh, credit to the blocked field goal, Tyler Bass missed another field goal. How about Jake Elliott's bomb, fifty-nine yard bomb in the pouring rain? Though that was electric. 
How about it? What listen, and that's, oh, that that's what makes football games. Oh, I love that. And guess what? They won the game. So, so Eagles fans, here's what you're not gonna hear me do. I'm not trying to take away their wins, okay? I'm just saying this is gonna catch up. But once again, I'm gonna go back to the Bills briefly because they played in this game. A miscue between Josh Allen and Gabriel Davis at the end of that game, or in overtime, excuse me, is the difference between Buffalo walking this thing off and the Eagles getting another crack at it. Right, right. I agree. Do, but do you see what I'm were, saying? And there guess what? Points in that game where things could have went either way, but that was critical. And Luke's that's this, and this is what I'm talking about when I talk about Josh Allen. And here's why Jalen Hurts gets so much respect, and Patrick Mahomes gets so much respect, and these quarterbacks that can close games, right? When has Josh Allen closed a really big game that he absolutely had to close it? This been is the concern. Time. Been a right? long time. Right. I was, I was just gonna is, I was just gonna say I'm getting some Chargers vibes from the Bills here. Th- this so. is what we're talking about. Like everybody was like, oh, don't worry, the Bills are fine. No, the Bills are not fine. This is gonna be their toughest stretch of the season. It's but not I, getting any easier. I can't even I can't even like say boo about the Bills though, because they ran the ball 35 times. And my biggest knock on them was they can't close games on the ground. And in that second half, they were absolutely shredding Philly. Um, but the, Philly kept grinding and they made adjustments. They made adjustments. Second half, you know, third quarter, they did some RPO, got DeAndre Swift to the outside. First drive of the game, pass, pass, pass. What are we doing? Like, that's not who you are. You know, you, you run the ball effectively to set up the pass. That's when Jalen Hurts is efficient. And we saw as that game went on, Jalen Hurts got better. So, yeah. and I would tell you, Mo, Mo, I can't speak for all Eagles fans. I'm here in Northeast PA. I watched the game with a lot of people yesterday. Many of them are not thrilled with offensive coordinator Brian Johnson. And in the first half, I really couldn't agree with them more. Another young, uh, mid-30-year-old, uh, you know, high, you know, highly coveted uh, play caller uh, was the quarterback's yeah. coach there. And maybe it was a bad game. I don't know. Uh, everyone likes to play figures of the play caller. That's fine. Um, also, how about the, like the Hall of Fame meltdown by uh, you know one of the beloved Kelsey brothers? Two false start penalties on the same drive, you know, pushing Elliott back to that bomb. I mean, that was a playoff esque game in the pouring rain. I, I think either team could have won that game. The Eagles came away with it, but like we talked about it a couple weeks ago, on the standings, the Eagles are separating themselves. But like they haven't really done much to, for me to say, yeah, they are the only team in Tier One. I think. I think we are in for one hell of a postseason. And you're right. The First of all, Ken Dorsey could have been a scapegoat. Same issues. Couldn't close games. Josh Allen played about as good as he could play. The interception he threw to James Bradbury was more of a good play by James Bradbury uh, than a bad throw by Allen. Like, hell of a play by James Bradbury. The Eagles, you know, they'll give up all these chunk plays, but they thrive on takeaways. And we saw that happen again. So, like, Philly, you know, laid the last punch, laid the haymaker and was able to get the win. But like you said, I think we're in for an electric uh, postseason. I don't think there's a huge gap between any of these teams. They all have flaws. The Bills remain. The Bills are now 6-6. Six and six. Their remaining schedule is Kansas City, Dallas, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, New England, and Miami. Are they going to get in the playoffs? I don't know. But when you take the alleged best team uh, to overtime in a game you probably should have won at the link in the pouring rain, I think you have a fighting chance to hit a wild card spot no matter who's on the schedule. 
and they're 50 to one on DraftKings. If I wasn't freaking limited on DraftKings, I'd go bet them right now. I'll see where, where there's some other decent odds. But in terms of overall talent and a quarterback who can win those duels, I mean, we haven't seen them close. But if you're going to give me like 40 to one on Buffalo right now, like I'll give you like a couple days worth of pizza money just to see if they can sneak in the playoffs. Because if they get in in this AFC, I think they have as good a chance as anybody, especially with the unfortunate Joe Burrow situation. I don't think Pittsburgh's a complete team. Baltimore looked good. Lost Mark Andrews, right? Don't know. Um, Kansas City doesn't have a damn receiver that can win on the outside, right? So, I mean, here's here's my issue. Here's my issue with the Bills, Lutz. I'm afraid they're not going to get in the playoffs. That's very possible. That's why the odds are so damn generous. Yeah, this this, this is my issue. Well, like, hold on one second. If you're going to bet the Bills it's this week before they rattle off one or two wins and suddenly they're eight and six, right? Like you have to – that's how I'm looking at it. I'm probably going to bet them. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. Listen, I get it. My point is this. Their next game, I think, if I'm not mistaken, are they playing – no, they're playing the Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. And they're on the road. Now, I'm not saying the Chiefs are unbeatable, but their defense is better than Philly right now. Like, yeah, they gave up 14 points. But, like, in terms of their defense, their defense has actually been what has helped them win some of these games. I think overall, I think their defense is better than Philly today. I I honestly believe that. So I don't think they go into Kansas City and beat them for what it's worth. I don't don't think the big plays are going to be there. Maybe Josh runs around and, like, puts some things together. But I don't see it. Then I think, if I'm not mistaken, they have to go to Dallas. Is that their next game? Yeah. I don't think they win in Kansas City or in Dallas. So, so to me, in my mind right now, no, guess what? I'm sorry. They're home against Dallas. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, I take that. Okay. So, for me, that game has more to do about Dallas than them. They're at home. If, if Dallas wins this game, that's going to help Dallas out, right? Then they get the Patriots. I don't think they're going to go on the road. And beat the Dolphins. They 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 got the Dolphins at home. I don't think I don't think the Dolphins lose at home in this game. Now, granted, that's weeks out. Injuries can happen. Weird things happen. I get it. But my point is, I don't think their record's going to be good enough because I think I think the Dolphins will win the division. I think the Dolphins win the division. I think the Chiefs win their division. I think the Ravens are going to win the AFC North. And as it stands right now. The Chargers, with the Chargers winning, if if the Texans would have won and been seven and four, and the Jaguars are seven and four, it starts to get interesting. But with the Jags at eight and three, they probably win the division now, right? But on the backside of that, the Steelers probably get into the playoffs, and believe it or not, the Broncos just might get into the playoffs. Dude, they might. I mean, so, what a I'm, I'm serious here. So I'm I'm not so I'm saying if the Dolphins are eight and three and the Broncos win yet again this week, they'll be seven and five. And the you see what and it's like suddenly the gap over the couple weeks literally may just get the Broncos into the wild card spot. I don't know if the Bills if the Bills lose to Dallas and the Chiefs and the Dolphins, there's no way they get in. There's no way they would be at that point six and nine with probably a win versus. I'll give them a win versus the Patriots. That makes them seven and nine. I, they're not getting in. So 
I'm betting on him. <laughs> I don't care. No, 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 no. I, I, but once again, I, I think that's the right call when you're getting 50 to one. Like, of course. Here's, like, here's the caveat here. here. I mean, the caveat here is Buffalo is going into a bye. Uh, Kansas City has Green Bay next week in Green Bay. So uh, I think Kansas City wins that game. I'm, I'm going to give Kansas City that game. I truly think the Chiefs are more offensively challenged with nobody out wide than, than like, I think their problems will uh, come to a, whatever you want to call it. Like, no, no, I, I don't, I don't disagree. Sooner than later. I, I don't disagree there. And let me say this. There are, there are, there are several, some are ESPN personalities, some are FS1 personalities, but here's one of the things that I try to do, Luke. If I'm going to listen to media personalities about football, I listen to the football players. That's that's I've always done that because, yes, the football players, they're, they're given material, but they still understand football. Right. And they're, they're still going to talk about football and what they see and what they anticipate. And uh, Uncle Shay Shay here is someone that I trust. Because he tells it like it is, right? He doesn't try to try to try to try to sugarcoat it. He tells it like it is. One of the things he always says, Luke, and this is something that I've started telling my players, right? For those of you who know I coach girls basketball, I tell my players this. I'm not gonna accept anything in a win that I wouldn't accept in a loss. Right? So just because we win, that doesn't mean I'm gonna accept bad play. When we lose, I'm not accepting this. And when we win, I'm not accepting this, right? When the Chiefs are winning games, everything's fine. But guess what? Even in wins, there's still drops. These wide receivers are just having so much trouble, Luch, in a general sense. Uncle Shay Shay says he doesn't really trust these guys in big moments. Well, Luch, I'm here to tell you, the big moments are coming real soon. When the playoffs get here, when the game's on the line, can these receivers find ways to catch footballs? Yeah, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is magical, but he can't throw it and then be signed to Hedgehog or Sonic the Hedgehog or Tails or Knuckles. He can't go and catch the ball too. Luch, when the game's on the line, can these receivers get it done? Can Rasheed Rice get it done? Can Marquez Valdez Scantling get it done? Can Sky Moore? Get it done. Can Justin Watson get it done? I don't know. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
you notice I didn't mention Travis Kelsey? Defenses are just finding ways to take him away and said, hey, beat us another way now. The impact of Tyrese, of Tyreek Hill on this team. Man, what wouldn't the Kansas City Chiefs love to have Tyreek Hill on this team right now? Imagine how different this offense would look. I know he had to go. I know he had to get his money. I think he's having a, a heck of a time in, in, in Miami for what it's worth. But my point, Luch, is this. I'm with you. The gaping hole for the Chiefs is the wide receiver room. It is. And the wide receivers have cost them at least two games this season, Luke. At least two. As a matter of fact, let's call it three. The Lions beat them in week one. Sky Moore, timely drop. Right? They were on their way to possibly beating the Eagles. Marquez Vandas, Scantlin, touchdown drop. You, you know, like, think about it. Three, the three games they lost were because the wide receivers couldn't catch the ball at the end of the game. You think they okay. are kicking themselves for not opening the wallet a little bit more for DeAndre Hopkins? You think? Hopkins, uh, Adams. In Buffalo or Kansas City, Hopkins would be a one to maybe two in difference maker right now. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. That sounds insane. But, yeah. I mean, Hopkins you know, proved it, and he still has it. Uh, but – like, can we talk about – can we go back to Thursday and just talk Please. about Detroit Green Bay? I, like, I have came on here and I've stuck oh. my neck out because the Lions are like the darlings, right? Everyone's pulling for the Lions. And I just don't – like, you mentioned the Kansas City game in week one where uh, they escaped with a one-point win. Like, the Lions don't really have any, like, ultra-impressive wins. I'm going to get so much crap for this probably. But, I mean, like – Okay, you beat you beat Atlanta. You lost to Seattle in overtime. You beat Green Bay once. You know you took care of Carolina. No offense. You know you beat Tampa Bay by two touchdowns. You got throttled by Baltimore on the road. That was supposed to be the big test, right? Absolutely embarrassed on the road. Okay, you beat the Raiders. You squeak one out against the Chargers, who have so many damn problems that we talked about. Uh, and it starts at the top. And one thing the Chargers will never have with this scheme and this personnel is a running game. So. You have to feel for Justin Herbert as well. If Squeak went out against the Chargers, that's fine. The bottom line is what? They're four and seven now. Okay, you beat you, you by the skin of your teeth, you beat the Chicago Bears in a game that the Bears pitched down their own leg in two weeks ago and got ultra conservative because they don't know how to play with a lead in 2023. And uh, you know, you squeak one out. Jared Goff looked terrible. The offense wasn't good. I've been saying this pass defense is not good either. It's bad. You have a couple really nice edge rushers who are able to cover it up once in a while and they're able to take advantage of a bad offensive line. But the Detroit secondary is extremely vulnerable. We saw DJ Moore get there a couple of times. For all intents and purposes, the Bears, you know, like I said, pissed down their own leg and should have won that game. They didn't. Fine. Decent teams find ways to win once in a while. Detroit did that. Last week against Green Bay, issues from the beginning. I don't remember what quarterback said it a couple of years ago, but I swear Jared Goff saw ghosts back there. Like, he looked terrible. And part of it is him. Part of it is on who's telling him and calling him the plays. He didn't even look at Jameer Gibbs for 75% of that game, who we could have checked down to an open field and took 10 to 12 yards, and he didn't do it. Regardless, the secondary got absolutely exposed. By Jordan Love, and you got to feel I, – I mean, I know uh, maybe people are starting to see that that, that secondary is going to be the Achilles heel to this team, much like it could be the Achilles heel of the Eagles season potentially because it's bad. 
But kudos to Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur, Christian Watson, and, and Jaden Reed coming along here. Like, they got it done. But I'm I'm not – like, I'm very scared for Detroit being some kind of one and out here. And then maybe there's a Dan Campbell discussion. I've been saying it all year. I don't think Detroit is a tier one team. I think they're good. But they have gaping holes in that secondary, man. And it was exposed on Thanksgiving. That's all I'm going to say. And I like no. a lot of those players. Like, I root for Jared Goff. I love the Sun God, St. Brown, Jameer Gibbs. I love, I like this team. But I'm calling it how I'm seeing it right now. Luke, guess what? Well, here's the thing, right? Here's how I feel about Detroit. Like, that was a game they should have won and they gave it away. Right? And that's that's the model of a team that's coming, in my opinion. And so he, here's what happened, Lou. Just so because because I think if we put it in the context, we become a little bit more realistic about the Detroit Lions. So the Detroit Lions are a product or a byproduct of a lot of things. One of the things they're a byproduct of is late season success last year, right? So they started kind of rough, and then they just kind of went on a tear. Not only did they go on a tear, they were able to go ahead and beat Aaron Rodgers last game of the season last year. That that was kind of a momentum thing for them, right? End of the season, winning a the game, they had to go get it. They went and got it. I think that was good for the, for the moxie of this football team. But they were just okay. This year, Luke, what, what did they do? See, I'm, I'm looking at how they built this team. Their offensive line is intact. So they've done it the right way. The offensive line is intact. They've got some defensive line pieces. They do need to shore up the secondary. But what have they been doing, though? They're building it the right way. They are. They are. Right. I don't, I don't no, no, no. But, but, but that's okay. That, that's okay. Because here's why. Then what did they do in the draft? A, a lot of people probably thought it was, they went and got one of the most explosive players in the draft which was Jameer Gibbs. They didn't run him out too early. They, they gave him a chance to kind of catch up here for what it's worth. And while their defense is going to have some problems on the back end right now, Luch, I, I can assure you this year, when they get to the NFL draft, they're going to draft defense. I can assure you defensive uh, pressure and back end protection is going to be a commodity for them. And they'll be able to get it because think about how many safeties, cornerbacks you can get at the back of that draft in that 20 to 25 range that end up becoming stud players, right? Because think about it. Your best offensive linemen go between 1 and 10. Your best wide receivers go between 1 and 10, 1 to 15. Your quarterbacks are going to be between 1 and 10, 1 to 15. Running backs don't usually go early, but we had two generational talents, at least we thought, and Bijan and Gibbs, and if you didn't get them that early, getting them that late was going to be too much of a steal, so they had to go and get them, right? So my point is, I think they built this team the right way, and I think the media and fandom expect expects this team to be elite because they're 8-3 and three now. Well, they're still not elite, but now they've gone from not good to better to good. Next year, I think we expect them to be very good. And I think this, right. I think they're on a path to success. And I think Dan Campbell's okay with these little nicks and bumps as long as the culture's intact and as long as they keep doing what they're supposed to do. Now, should they have lost to the Packers? I don't think so. But I think they'll learn from that. They'll rebound. They'll come back and win this week. I think they're going to win the NFC North. 
I think they're going to go to the playoffs. They probably get put out round one, but it's a step. Last year, they didn't make it at all. This year, they make it. They're also a byproduct of what? The quarterback play not being as great in the NFC North, and they have to take advantage of that. They can't help their division. Aaron Rodgers is gone. Uh, Justin Fields was hurt for part of that, and the, and the Bears have been a travesty. And Jordan Love, we feel like the Packers are coming. I don't think they're coming. Uh, not yet. I don't, I don't think they're coming yet. But, you know, he was able to pull off a win. I think this team is actually right where they should be. And, in fact, they might be ahead of schedule. This is Dan Campbell's third season, second season. And, and I, I kind of poo-pooed on Dan Campbell. But but you point, get what I'm saying? Like, I, he's I, way ahead of schedule compared to anything they've seen over the past few seasons. Get into yeah, the playoffs. I like, I like this team. And you're right. Yeah. But and, 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 you know, I poo-poo the on The media has overrated Detroit. I don't think the locker room is in, in – is source. I think to me, Luke, I think this team wants to make the playoffs. I think that's their their goal. Let's get in. And then let's just see what happens. Making the playoffs is a win for this organization this year. They'll get a, a few more dollars in revenue, right? From ticket sales and jersey sales and concession sales. And, and I think that's a win for them. Next season, Luke. Hear me out. Next season, I think the Lions could be very good. Like Next season is when we look for them to say, okay, can they beat San Francisco once? Can they beat the Eagles once? Can they beat Dallas once? Can they beat all these other teams that they're supposed to beat conventionally? I think next year is that year for them because they'll have even more talent on the defensive side of the ball. And as much as that kind of, you know, crapping on the decision-making of Dan Campbell, which that fake punt, like, I okay, it works. He's a genius, but like, come on, man. I don't He just does some head-scratching Brandon Haley. Brandon Staley type stuff, but I think he's earned another year, you know, whatever happens, you know, I said, Oh, maybe we'll have a Dan Campbell discussion. I'm sure the pot will be stirred. Is Dan Campbell the right guy for the job? Got a thing. If the lions are one and done, but <laughs> ultimately realistically, I think he's earned, you know, to take that team one more season. And, um, you know, I think that's, what's going to happen regardless. Uh, we should probably start looking ahead. There was just so much good conversation, a lot of drama, a lot of personnel changes. Um, and, you know, it starts with San Fran and Philly next week. And, you know, we talked a lot about Philly. San Fran, listen, man, we were on a podcast about five weeks ago after a clunker by the Niners before the bye week. They were Their defense looked terrible. They had some injuries. And I said to you, Chief, let's, we don't know who this team's going to be in a month, in five weeks from now. And now it looks like they have regained their mojo. They're healthier. Debo Samuel has shown you he can still be an incredible part of this offense when he's healthy. Trent Williams, you know, he's kind of the glue to that offensive line. I think he's a bit, his health is critical to their success. Um, you know, and yeah, he needs, absolutely. He needs, he and that's needs, any team, right? That's any team. Th think about when Tyron Smith was out for the Cowboys. Right. Right. But think he, about I think for that team, he's such a big piece. Like, Oh like yeah, 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 yeah. Out of vanilla, but man, yeah. is he key. But you're right. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 absolutely. But you know, and but that's how. I, but once again, that's why I'm still. I'll go back to the part of this to the Lions. This offensive line is intact. Like they got a shot. Um, and we go to the 49ers. We look at these three games. Loose. Think about it. Trent Williams, if I'm not mistaken, is out for all of those games. 
He comes back and suddenly they just win. It's incredible. Offensive lines, man, are just such a key part of the organization, which is why I said, Luch, I think we talked about this two weeks ago, right before you went to King of the Beach. Show me a team that's going to build their offensive line and just go get any quarterback, and I'll show you a team that in two or three seasons is going to be almost on their way to a Super Bowl. It's incredible. It is incredible. Like, enough can't be said about what Shanahan has been able to do with that offensive line and any quarterback. And this isn't a knock on Brock Purdy, so I don't want anybody to hear it that way. He's had Purdy. He's had Jimmy G. He's had had Kareem John. He's had anybody. And they've had success. If Sam Darnold had to come into this offense right now because Brock Purdy had to sit out five games, I wouldn't feel any different about this team. Why? This offensive line, with the weapons they have, Luch, that's the other thing too, right? You got the offensive line, but people can say what they want. They're afraid of Christian McCaffrey. They're afraid of George Kittle. They're afraid of Brandon Ayuk. Like I'm, the, I'm saying the collective, the the, the combination of that of those skill positions, they're afraid, and that helps them keep winning football games. I'm gonna shut up. Back to you, Luch. No, there's some bye weeks still this late in the year, and I'm looking at the quarterbacks on DraftKings, and Jalen Hurts is up there at 82, the highest uh, price quarterback. C.J. Stroud, electric. We didn't talk Houston-Jacksonville, but, like, monster, monster win for the Jags, right? You talk about creating To me, separation. that was the lowest-scoring, highest-scoring game of the week. <laughs> I mean, incredible. and, and just Do you get what I'm saying, though? It felt yes. like the game was 35-38. But it was a 24-21 game. But it was so exciting. Back and forth. Like, that's what we want to see in the NFL. They don't have to be 45 to 28 games. 24 to 21 is just as exciting when it's a back and forth. A a few good defensive plays here. A few good defensive plays here. A few explosive plays here. A few explosive plays there. That's a good football game. Big credit, though. Both sides battled. Uh, Late field goal came up short for Houston. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence imagine if Houston hits their 58-yard field goal, how this game turns out. Imagine Ooh. that. You know, who knows? Who knows? But <laughs> yeah, two, two straight great games by Trevor Lawrence, two straight good games by Calvin Ridley, CJ Stroud and Tank Dell, Nico Collins, everybody's eaten. Like, um, those teams are operating the way they envision to be, and, and they're both thick, you know, squarely in the playoff hunt. But CJ Stroud's got Denver, who has totally turned their season around, defense playing uh, a lot I'm better. I'm very affla- afraid for Houston here. Believe it or not, a spot. Tough I am, I am, and if I'm not mistaken, they have to go to Denver. Is that correct? I think they're going to. No, Denver. they're home. So they're home at least. They're at home. Yeah. Ah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm still very afraid for the Texans in this spot. As exciting as they've been, the Broncos just listen, man. Say what you want. This defense is playing great right now, and. While Russell Wilson may not be lighting the world on fire with, like, statistics, he's taking care of the football, they're running the football, and they are going to be able to run on this Houston team a bit. I'm not saying they're going to rush for 3,000 yards or anything like that, but they'll hit a couple. They They will hit a couple. And, you know, if the Broncos win this game, Luch, look out. Um, It's look out. Well, you know, we'll run through it this way. I'm looking at quarterbacks and matchups. You know, Hurts against San Fran, Stroud, Denver, Justin Herbert's at New England, Tua at Washington. 
at 7,900. Kyler Murray at Pittsburgh. Jared Goff has New Orleans. Sam Howell on the other side of that Tua Miami game. Brock Purdy on the other side of that Jalen Hurts and Philly game. Uh, Matt Stafford has Cleveland at home. Russell Wilson, uh, like we talked about, 5,700 traveling to Houston. You know, Derek Carr has Detroit. I like picking on that secondary, but I'm probably not going to do it this week. There are just three quarterbacks standing out to me, and it's Tua against Washington. I'm sure he will be the cash game play. Uh, I also think playing the opposite side, Sam Howell, who's thrown at least 40 passes in eight games this year. I mean, Eric Benenemy has him just dropping back like he's Mahomes, and that's fine and good for fantasy. So at 6,200 and a potential negative game script, I like Sam Howell. Um, and Brock Purdy, you know, the postseason game it was kind of ugly, but with how vulnerable Philly's secondary has been, uh, and, and the Niners are slight favorites, I don't mind, you know, with a good scheme, they're prepping for this game. I don't mind taking a shot at Brock Purdy at 6,100 either. So those are three quarterbacks that are sticking out to me, Tua, uh, Sam Howell, and Brock Purdy here on this Monday afternoon. Uh, but your boy Russ Wilson, 5,700 against Houston. That is an interesting tournament. Look, I, I think the Broncos are, are interesting in general. Same price for Javante Williams. I don't want to jump around too much on you, but you know he's finally the bell cow in this team, 5,700 Javante. Uh, what are you thinking here for quarterback? Any Anything different in your – than my assessments you're thinking? So I think for me, man, at quarterback this week, um, I mean, like, like personally, I would like to pick on Detroit, but I'm not doing it with Derek Carr. I'm just man, I, I, think, I think it's got to be some Tua. Like, Tua against the Commanders, man, feels like, wow, just an elite spot. Because once again, we talked about the Chiefs' offensive struggles, and they did score some points against against uh, Las Vegas. Don't get me wrong; like they scored thirty-one points, if I'm not mistaken. That's they scored some points, but I don't know. They're going to be on the road. I think it'll be a little bit different uh, in Lambeau. To me, man, Tua against the Commanders feels like they're. I don't think they're going to score seventy, but it feels like they could score thirty-five in this game, Luch. Like I, I think thirty-plus real points are in the cards here. Sneakily, I think Brock Purdy against the Eagles is the other one. You know, we we keep talking about how this Eagles secondary, I mean, we, look, we saw Josh Allen throw for 300-plus in the rain last night. Mm-hmm. Um, I Purdy and Tua feel like the really, really big ones to me, the quarterbacks that could just, I mean, explode this week. The commanders are allowing a 114.1 quarterback rating, which is like almost four full points higher than the next worst. It's it's insane unit in football. Um, they've given up a league leading 28 touchdowns, five more than the second worst team, which is the Philadelphia Eagles. They are top 10 worst in yak per reception, and they are dead last in yards per target uh, as well. So yeah, we'll have to see how projected ownership shakes out. Maybe it's I mean, Jalen Waddle showed some signs after the bye week. Could be a Jalen Waddle week. We'll see. A lot of ways to play Miami, as we know. Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at running back here, we saw Kyron Williams absolutely tear it up. Absolutely tear it up after his IR stint, dropping about 40 uh, fantasy points. Uh, this week, he's 7,200 and has Cleveland. So I'm not exactly you know, thrilled and, and ready to go there. 
the top two guys at running back are interesting. You have McCaffrey at Philly, 9K. Austin Eckler, 8,300 at New England. Eckler's probably going to be the better play this week in my mind. Um, notice I'm saying in my mind. The, the difference is McCaffrey just sees to just, no matter what defense he's facing, he just find ways to get the 20-plus fantasy points. Feels like every game moves. It's insane. Um, so I do think Eckler has the better spot. But guess what? The Chargers could absolutely lose this game. I, I don't have any faith in this coaching staff. I think they win the game for what it's worth, but they're way more likely to lose than I think the 49ers here. Uh, Rashad White, 6,300. He was dealing with a little knee thing, but still went for 100 yards. First time this year, 100 yards on the ground. And he's got Mm -hmm. your Panthers. He's at 6,300. I don't don't like White as much this week. Once again, unless the Panthers are going to totally revitalize their style of play, Luch, it's a boring brand of football, but – they you just can't score a lot on them, not generally speaking. It's terrible. What do you think about Ramondre? Twenty plus carries in back to back weeks. Um, I worry that's, that I worry that the game though. script is a little poor. But he's a back that's going to be involved in the pass game. And I, mean, I think he had five catches in that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Demario Douglas went down too. Yeah, so. listen, man, I, I I like Ramondre here. We, the Chargers are on the road. Yep. They got to go to Gillette. I, in, anything anything can happen in this game. Anything. Whoever the quarterback is, Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, one of them is probably going for a number. How many times are we going to bench Mac Jones in the same damn season? It's just. Well, well supposedly, uh, Bailey Zappi was, was going to start, and then all of a sudden, Mac Jones started. And Ben, it's 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 a whole big ball of of confusion going on up there in, in uh, New England right now. I guess just like my ultimate gross dart throw would be James Connor Connor at Pittsburgh. I mean, he's the guy in the backfield now. He's been back for a couple of weeks. Hasn't done anything. A couple of weeks yep. ago, we had like eighteen carries though, but a little revenge spot too. Uh, well, you know, it's Monday. We don't know a change spot here either, but. Um, and moving on to receiver. Speaking of you know, Washington, Tyreek is priced like he's in a good matchup at 9,600. That's like elite Cooper Cup pricing from from a season ago. So, uh, yeah. But he's going to catch three touch. He's going to have three catches for 180 yards and three touchdowns, though. How about literally, that, that is that's literally possible in this game. Literally, it is. Keenan Allen's the pivot of all pivots, though. At 9K, he's the guy. His target share, we talked about his target share before the show. Yeah. He's the guy. I mean, yeah. could you Absolutely. could you play some Jalen Waddle with Keenan Allen for a large field tournament build? Sure. Absolutely. Right? Or maybe yeah. maybe the Miami ground game gets there and Tyreek goes for a pedestrian you know, 22 fantasy points at his price tag, which you'll, you'll live with probably, right? Like, yeah. You'll probably live with it. Um. So how you know, Tank Dell is unreal, and so is Nico Collins. So that you mentioned Denver, and then we got to start start closing up soon. Do you think that defense has kind of turned the corner a little bit? Like is you know Houston? It was such a good tournament play last week. They were for most of the season. What about these Texans skill players in this matchup? I know you're looking at this game a little bit. 
So I will say I do think Houston's turned the corner now. I'm going to throw out yesterday's game because the Browns had Dorian Thompson Robinson, then PJ Walker had to come in. Like I don't I don't consider those guys to be the elite of the elite. So that game was thrown up, but they still won the game and they won 29-12. Right. So that 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 meant something to me. They played the Vikings, they won 21-20. You know, we we talked about the astronaut coming in. And he has been good. We're talking about Joshua Dobbs, by the way. Josh Dobbs has been good, but the Broncos, once again, held a team, what, 20 points? They won the football game, okay? We go back the next week. Broncos played the Buffalo Bills, folks. A, a Bills team that uh, our good friend, Mr. Luch, is ready to put some lunch money on at the odds, might we add, to go to the Super Bowl, beat them 24 to 22. Held this Bills team back to 22 points, Okay. We go back the week before that, and uh, where are they? They play the Chiefs. Chiefs, 24 to 9. Looch, I, I don't know about you, but like, they, so that's the thing, right? It's like they're not beating, so like the Dallas Cowboys are beating Washington, they're beating the Giants, they're beating the Panthers. The Broncos are beating good football teams right now. And, and while their record isn't sensational, don't get me wrong, I, I understand that they started out the season rough. They are beating good football teams. In week six, they beat the Chiefs. Uh, no, they lost to the Chiefs, but they held them to 19 points. But once again, Luch, like, outside of that, this team has turned a massive corner, beat the Packers 19 to 17. Um... I can't say enough about what's happening, I think, in Denver. And, you know, I don't I, I don't think Stroud gets off this week for what it's worth. This, this is the week for me. I hop off the Stroud train. I hop off the Tank Dell train. I just – I hop off the train. I know they're at home. They've done it against almost everybody, but I'm hopping off this week. I respect what Denver's been able to do as they've turned the corner this season. A one injury note at receiver Chris Olave, monster game finally, um, but he had a concussion. So we'll have to see what shakes well, she, out. He left that game as well. Michael Thomas might, was out. Poor Saints. Might, might finally be A.T. Perry week. It might be uh, Kamara 13 target week, who we didn't talk about. Um, I mean, they're playing the Lions. It could be. This could well, be an. This is probably an interesting GPP spot for both sides. Marshawn Lattimore still hurt, I believe, if you're looking at the other side of that game. So. That's a hit to yeah. the Saints secondary as well. Yeah. One other guy uh, I'm going to go right back to is Josh Downs playing the Titans this week. Uh, had a bye week, wasn't on injury report. Couldn't have done less with more. 13 targets and like 50 yards. I'm going right back to Josh Downs this week. And yeah. I'm going to come back and listen to this podcast to make sure I do it on Sunday morning. Uh, Michael Pittman, you know, he's in play as well in that game, but he's priced up. I, I'd rather take Josh Downs there and hope he does a little more uh, with those targets he has. So yeah. those were the main skill positions. Let's let's start closing out of here, Chief. You got anything good for story time? Yeah, so for story time, man, this is my first year back coaching. Um, and for, the, for those of you that don't know, I do coach basketball, and I've been coaching girls basketball for several years now. And I taken, you know, a couple seasons slightly off um, because my son is, you know, started playing varsity basketball and I wanted to make sure I could catch all of his games. But, you know, my coach, you know, gave me a call and said, look, man, we need to get you back. We want to get you back here working with the staff. 
get you coaching the team. So this season, Luch, I'm the head coach of a fifth and sixth grade team. And uh, so it won't conflict to, you know, probably hardly ever with my son's schedule. We'll only have practice two days a week and we have games on Saturdays. And so, uh, you know, getting back into coaching, man, it makes me think about, you know, what it takes to be a coach. And, and, and that's, you know, thinking about these coaches on their massive professional level, they have to do a lot more work than I have to do. But just in terms of preparation, Luke, like I, I can't ignore what it takes. Like even today, we've got practice at six o'clock. Practice is an hour and a half. And I'm just trying to make sure I've got my practice plan together, know what we want to do, what we want to accomplish today. Right. And then the next the next practice will bring its own challenges. But I'm saying that to say. You're your own coach in DFS, right? You've got to put your own plan together. You've got to make sure your mind is right for each and every slate, whether it's showdown, whether it's a three-gamer, whether it's a 10-gamer like we had last week. You always want to be sharp. You always want to be fresh. You want to make sure you're arming yourself with the right tools and advantages to make sure that week in and week out, your teams can be successful. And so I just want to encourage everybody in that, man. Like, don't give up hope in DFS. Um, Every week isn't going to be, you know, what you think it is. But stick to your process and don't be afraid to embrace your thoughts when you see something that nobody else is talking about, right? Because in coaching, a lot of times, you know, our school or our program, we have a certain way we like to play. But oftentimes, Luch, I may have to veer off the path a little bit because I have a group of players that are going to fit something totally different. And if I want them to be successful, I want to find ways to put them in a position to win. And so as a DFS player, you want to find ways to put yourself in a position to win. That's my story time. Look at the Eagles. Hey, they're doing the brotherly shove. No one's doing it. Not against the rules. Stop it. Yeah. So I'm with you. You know, they, they weren't afraid to go off the beaten path a little bit. Um, that's awesome, man. Congratulations on the head coaching gig. Love to hear it. Uh, my story time is kind of a two-parter. Was at the King of the Beach two weeks ago. We had TJ fill in for me, which was a good week. He's on a heater. He won some serious money the last two weeks, so I'm glad we had TJ on at the right time. King of the Beach, awesome. Down in Miami, just beautiful weather, 70 degrees. Got down there. Uh, a day after they had some really bad storms and the whole city was kind of flooded. So we were really fortunate, you know, to kind of have no issues there. Um, this was the Houston, Arizona week where there was a lot of chalk and I had two lineup builds, didn't pick the right one. The first, it was kind of an anomaly week. It was when Kyler came back. The one build I had chief, you know, the one I didn't pick, um, it had Trey McBride. It was cheap Trey McBride. It was Rondell Moore. It had Tank Dell and Devin Singletary with uh, Justin Fields, the quarterback with DJ Moore. And I didn't have, you know, I had four guys from a game where I didn't have a quarterback in. The projected chalk was massive, massive, and I just couldn't do it. So I ended up uh, taking my other build, uh, which was fine. I stand by what I did. Um, but I had Cooper Cup and a chain in it, and they both got hurt in the first quarter. And, you know, if they would hit their median projection, I probably would have top 20. But, hey, that's the name of the game. It sucked. But what are you going to do? If I would have played that chalk build, I probably would have top five. So uh, it hurts my soul a little bit. But, you know, uh, I tend to correlate a little more when I play, you know, traditional classic than showdown or kind of anything goes much more. So I picked, I made the wrong decision. It hurt a little bit. 
you know, still made a little bit of money. Uh, made some good friends down there. You know, shout out to MJ Chan, 88, you know, longtime player in the industry. And one of the, you know, him and his friends, uh, his buddies came up and uh, he's from uh, Texas. And he was one of the first people uh, that we kind of befriended each other over the weekend. And he ended up uh, coming in third, I think. So I was really happy that uh, a super nice guy, you know, that I, uh, you know, ironically met early, you know, played really well. And, you know, super nice guy, um, guy who's been grinding out for a while. So big shout out to my guy, MJ Chan. Um, his friends down there were a blast as well. And it was cool to, to catch up with my guy, Toe Tag and Tambo um, and, and Dwayne, um, who does his podcast with his dad. So that was really cool to see those guys as well. And then uh, I came home and my girlfriend and I talked about adopting a kitten. And some some woman that her mom works with or whatever found a cat in the woods, a baby little kitten. And, you know, I felt pretty bad. I'm like, let's do it. Uh, and then well, while I was down there. I think that's how the timeline broke out they found the kitten's brother so then all of a sudden it came to two and and i'm not a cat guy i love animals i'm a dog guy through and through and we don't have a dog right now kittens are definitely a little less maintenance though but they are so tiny so here's my story time i don't know if you heard the cats uh throughout the but i'm just gonna grab one but we named him taco and nacho look at this guy he's one and a half pounds and this little little guy was in the woods and uh, he's, he's, he's pretty cool. He's the man. So we saved him. He's so small. This, this doesn't do it justice. He was so small that I was, like, afraid to even pick him up. But um, maybe they'll be my good luck charm uh, as we go on here. So felt good to help help out an animal. I don't know if he's going to, you know, this little guy, if he's going to launch off my shoulder here. We'll see. I feel like Jack Hanna right now, I guess. But uh, anyway, we adopted uh, some little guys here. I, I guess I'm a cat dad now. Never thought I would uh, be in that realm. But uh, a lot of life changes. I go on vacation one time, and Taylor gets two kittens, right? So I uh, can't wait to see what she does when I go away next time. <laughs> uh, you end up with two parrots. Yeah, something like that. No. I'm going to call them Toucan and Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing. I, I knew I knew we were in for this, and uh, I like it a little more than I thought I would. So uh, we're in there. Much easier than dogs, though. I mean, it's nice I can go out and not have to worry about you know walking the dog. So we'll see. Maybe Maybe they'll bring me some luck. but. I guess that's it, man. It's a pleasure as usual. And uh, you got anything else, man? No, sir, my brother. I think we had a good show today. I know I went on some rants. Thank you, everybody, for dealing with that. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll be back here next week talking some more NFL. Absolutely. For my guy, the Chief Will Priester, I'm the Looch with a cat on my shoulder. (laughs) We'll catch you guys next weekend. Thanks.